Welcome back to the Unregulated Podcast. This is episode number 79 here on Tuesday, April 12th. I am your co-host, Tom Pyle. And I'm your co-host, Richie Cunningham. Hey. You're cool, Fonzie. You're cool. All right. Uh, I got a little This Day in History. Should we start with that? Or wait, let's do announcements first. Announcements first. Any announcements? Um, You first. A shout out to a, a mutual friend of ours, Catherine. Happy birthday, Catherine. And my cousin absolutely loves this podcast. Those are my those Is are my two announcements. Birthday as well? It's not her birthday. Okay. It might be. It's around now, but Happy birthday to Tom's cousin. No, I don't think it's today. Wait, she's gonna be mad at me that and I don't know. Okay. Uh it's it, it either happened or it's happening. <laughs> so okay, this day in history. It, this is a uh, you're going to guess this one, 1861. April of 1861? April 12th, 1861. The, the state of South Carolina um, fired upon Fort Sumter. Boom, you nailed it. General PGT Beauregard. Pierre Gustave Tonton Beauregard. Opened fire on the Union-held Fort Sumter in South Carolina's he Charleston actually, Harbor. He actually just ordered the opening of fire. The actual person who fired... Is a guy named Edward Ruffin, who is from, anybody want to guess? Extra credit if you get it right. Richmond? Chesterfield County, more specifically. Lived down the road from where I live now, Ruffin Mill. So um, as the Union troops closed in on Richmond in uh, April of 1865, he took his own life, wrapped his, wrapped his, um, wrapped himself in the stars and bars and took his own life. He was that, he was, the, he, he was that excited about rejoining the Union. 34 hours, 50 Confederate guns and mortars launched more than 4,000 rounds at the poorly supplied fort. On April 13th, U.S. Major Robert Anderson surrendered the fort. Two days later, U.S. President Abe Lincoln issued a proclamation proclamation calling for 75,000 volunteer soldiers to quell the Southern quote-unquote insurrection. Yeah, well, let's just try to remember that that call for volunteers would ultimately wind up in a draft because the war was unpopular. So, 1945, April 12, 1945. April 12, 1945, Hitler kills himself in the bunker. Close. Uh, FDR passed away. Oh, okay. In his Warm Springs, Georgia retreat, sitting in a living room with Lucy Mercer. Bobby's, his, Bobby's uncle. His assistant. His gumar. Come on, we don't know that. Uh, with whom she he had resumed an extramarital affair is oh, what the well, is what the History Channel said. Well, so anyway, History um, Channel's never wrong. When Eleanor informed Truman, uh, the the new president or the uh, the vice president said, "Is there anything I can do for you?" And she said, "Is there anything we can do for you? For you are the one in trouble now." Seriously, unquote. Thank you, Mr. President. I have a little segment called "By the Numbers." I call it a. Let's have a little it. segment called By the Numbers. <laughs> we haven't done this in a while. First number, 62.8. 62.8. What do you got? What the do you number guess? of Yankee strikeouts in yesterday's game. No, but I have something uh, similar to that. Okay, I'll just play the clip for this answer. As Democrats look ahead to November, they see a lot of reasons for war. But the top concern, likely the economy. And while measuring the country's economic picture right now is complicated, the nation's mood about it, certainly not. Consumer Sentiment Index from the University of Michigan is probably the best thing we have to measure where people think the economy is. When Biden took office, it sat at 79. It went up a little bit. 
in sort of B-plus territory when the COVID response improved. It is now sitting at 62.8. That is basically a failing grade, if you want. Before, uh, just before the pandemic hit, February 2020, this index was sitting at 101. People felt really good about the economy. Consumer sentiment index. Okay. That's actually a pretty good, it's a pretty good, um, this is a pretty good uh, data device there. Yeah. Did you catch the last part though? Yeah, before the Could, pandemic. You couldn't get ground to saying who was it who no, was sitting well, in come on. sitting in the big chair when, when it was hundred and one. Can't expect that kind of thing right? to happen. Okay. I have another one for you. Four hundred and fifty-seven. Four hundred and fifty-seven. The number of times I wondered what I'm doing with my life <laughs> this day. <laughs> no, sir, that is not the right answer. It is according to inside EVs. The uh, first quarter of 2022 happened to be very challenging for General Motors. The two brands sold only 457 plug-in electric vehicles in the U.S. A very disappointing, quote-unquote, 95% decrease year over year and 0.1% of the total volume. Yeah. Yeah, this whole bet the company on electric vehicles is not really working out for General Motors so far. And, and the interesting thing is, is that a lot of other companies' numbers were pretty, like, like shockingly higher, right? Like these 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 Rivians and these other companies sold more cars, but that again points how could you to sell, how could you sell fewer cars in four hundred twenty six? <laughs> right, I mean, four hundred fifty seven, yeah. whatever it is. But but like again, it's my point is these are lifestyle. This is a lifestyle product. This isn't an automobile, right? This is just a luxury lifestyle product. This is not like Weird. the new, you know, the, the inevitable, uh, you know, uh, in, in cars, unless, of course, the government continues to force it on us. We're going to find out here in the next couple of years, aren't we? Have another number for you, 80, 80 as in 80%. I don't know. Yeah, okay. So we, we at the Institute for Energy Research crunched the numbers. And it's a little it's a little oversimplified, but this is the per, the percentage of the new oil on the market over the last ten years that came from the United from, States. From the states, that's sure. right. So of the of the total incremental increase in oil production prior to this year, eighty uh, percent of it came from the United States. Yeah. Some countries it fell, others it rose a little. So you you know you you kind of kind of fudge the numbers a little bit. But but the bottom line is is that it is the absolute fact that the U.S. added more oil to the market than any other country in that span, and yet we're somehow that's somehow not a good thing, right? We shouldn't be doing that. So we're still um, we're still about a million and a half barrels. For those of you who keep track of these things, it's relevant, right? Especially given the announcement today about uh, the E15 waiver. We're still about a million and a half barrels under our production from 2019 per day, right? Um, God only knows we could actually produce if we were allowed to. My guess is probably three or four or five million more barrels a day than we do now. Oh, but they're just sitting on those leases, Mike, and they're, pro they're, they're, they're profiteering from the war, from Putin's war. Yeah, I'd like to also point out real quick because this is going to become a question in the in the courts here shortly. The United States isn't actually at war. I just want to mention that real quick because everyone runs around saying, "Hey, war! It's the war! It's the war!" We're not at war. Yeah, sorry, I don't mean to hurt anybody's feelings, but we're not. All right, uh, two hundred and thirteen point five. Two hundred and thirteen point five. 
Good Lord. I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> that is the official offer from Yankees GM Brian oh, Cashman. Yeah, for Aaron Judge. Yeah, yeah, over seven to seasons. Aaron Judge, a seven-year, $213.5 million extension, which paired with a $17 million offer in arbitration would have made the entire package just over $230 million, which is about a $30.5 million AAV, average annual value. Yeah, it's a lot of money for a guy who's a lifetime 230 hitter and has never won anything um, at the professional level. And yet he turned it down. His quote, at the end of this year, I'll talk to 30 teams. The Yankees will be one of those teams. I will make you a prediction right now. At the end of this year, somebody is going to give Aaron, and it's not going to be the Yankees. At the end of this year, someone's going to give Aaron Judge a hell of a lot of money, like $300 bucks. And he's going to disappoint them just like he's disappointed the Yankees. Do you want to potentially waver what team that will be? I predict. I tell you exactly. Aaron Judge will be in a New York uniform. Yeah, next bet year. the Mets. Sure, because because um, Stephen Cohen, right? The guy who owns the Mets, Stephen Cohen. Yeah, Stephen Cohen. Um, what he doesn't understand is is that the Mets are a cursed organization. He thinks if he spends enough money, they can win a World Series. It's not going to happen. Doesn't matter how much money you spend. Well, they said Boston was cursed, and they Boston was cursed. cursed. Took him like curse was lifted. So after eighty years, <laughs> eighty five years, which he, I'm not sad about. You, by the way. me, the producer, and Steve Cohen are all going to be dead by the time the Mets curse gets lifted. It's just they're not cursed. They're just not any good. So uh, this is this is what the um, you know, uh, the, the announcement was that there wouldn't be any negotiating after the season After the season started, yeah. So this is what was going on in the late, late hours of the evening before opening day. Do we have a deal? Do we have a deal? Do we have a deal? No. Is it going to be a deal? Is there a deal? <laughs> and was there? Is the deal done? The deal could be done. Is it done? Show your cards. Okay. Show your cards. Flip them. I'm all in. Flip them. <laughs> <laughs> now, some people are saying that it was kind of shrewd and mean for Cashman to uh, make the announcement of the offer that was made. What are your thoughts about that? Uh, you know, Brian Cashman is one of the worst people alive. If, in, in a in a more orderly universe, he'd be a general for Putin, probably. So what what do you think was the part of the reason for, for uh, I have some theories about it. Lay it on me. First of all, um, keeping in mind, is, keeping in mind, we are now going to get emails about how we spent too much time. Yeah, on baseball. I know, but I'm going to do this anyway. We first of all, we uh, we know he didn't he didn't bother making any overtures at any of the free agents that were available this cycle, and there were a lot of a a players that he could have uh, made offers or at least been in the game on. So this was his way of saying. I'm prepared to spend a lot of money, but you guys all want Judge, so you know, don't blame me for not picking up yeah, Trevor maybe. Story or any of the other shortstops that that they uh, that they passed on. Secondly, this is a way to to make Judge look like a greedy like a greedy yeah, guy. Yeah, that's, that's definitely right? how they want. Like, they wanted like, hey, you hey know, it's not me, it's him. You should love the Yankees enough to give up whatever you know. Yeah, fifty million dollars after taxes. Look. I'm gonna make a quick. I'm gonna make a quick thing here, and then we're gonna we're gonna guess on number of wins. Here's the thing that Yankee fans don't yet understand about Brian Cashman. He went to Georgetown Prep, so almost by definition, he's just bad luck, right? Um, speaking as a guy who went to Bishop Arden, the, the actual best Catholic <laughs> high school in the area. Um, 
he he should be the general manager of the Mets because as long as he's there, Yankees aren't going to win anything. He he is a he is the Charlie Brown of baseball. A cloud is always over his head. Oh, isn't that Pigpen? No, that's cloud around him. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Cloud's always over over Cashman's head. The one World Series he won, he stumbled into. It's been twenty years this guy's been around the organization, and they've been lousy for twenty years. I'm telling you, Steve Cohen, if you're listening to our podcast, do me a favor: hire Cashman. Yeah, buy Judge too if you want, yeah. but hire Cashman. Yeah. Get him out of the program. Yeah, we need him gone. This it, it, is, it's the official uh, unregulated podcast position is. Brian Cashman must go. These two guys, Judge and Cashman, he, they deserve the, each other. You know the funny thing is, real quick to end this. Or, I'm sorry, before no, you go no, to your no, thing, go ahead. The actual guy who's like come out the best and has played the best in the in, in critical moments in the last two years has been Mike Stanton. Giancarlo. Mike. Yeah. Has been Mike Stanton. He's the guy who, like, every time he's up, is actually delivered. When he's when he's not injured. When he's not injured, he's but not you injured. think about he's you think, in. You think about the amount of damage he's done yes. to the Red Sox yes, in the last absolutely. two years. Six, six games in a row where he homered. If that you had to think cool. about, hey, what team do you yeah. want to do well against if you're in a Yankees uniform? Stanton has surprised me. Yeah, and don't don't give Cashman any credit for that deal. Because if you that. all recall, uh, he had a uh, no-trade clause in his contract, and he chose which team that the, yeah, that the uh, – Former GM of the Marlins yeah, were, were going to. to send him to, yeah, him to right? and it was. Then he wanted to play in New York, like that's all right. normal people, right? He wanted to play in New York because that's, that's right. a big time. Sorry, let's wrap this. All thing right, up. so uh, I'll give credit to Gary Sheffield Jr. for this. Yeah, if Aaron Hicks was worth seventy million to Brian Cashman in twenty seventeen, Aaron Judge should laugh at any offer under two hundred million. You know, you know the funny thing is. Uh, you know Sheffield is what he is. Right? Yeah, yeah. Well, the funny this is thing junior. is, this is his son. Who cares? The yeah, funny yeah. Is, <laughs> what difference does that make? The funny thing is, is that Hicks, as bad as he's been, has been better than Judge whoa, over the last five years. Whoa, ladies and gentlemen. You know he's you not. A, he's not. He's not a liability in the outfield, and he hits for better average. I, you know, he, he gets on base better and hits for better average. Oh, Aaron Hicks had had almost all of Twitter begging or or pining for Brett Gardner on opening day. No, <laughs> so I agree. Look, you know, he's so bad. I just I don't like Aaron Hicks. I'm sorry. Shocker. I'm not a fan. Right. I'm not a fan. Let's okay. Moving on. Oh wait, one more quick stat on baseball and we're done, guys. 124. <laughs> 124. The number of times the Yankees struck uh, the number of strikeouts in the opening day. That's correct. Yeah. That it's is roughly correct. the equivalent of like what Tony Gwynn struck out in like eight seasons. Yeah. You saw the same tweet. I, I did. Yeah. I, I did. It didn't surprise me. All right, real quick. Number of wins for the Yankees this year. Just one number. Let's have 100. Okay. You're not going to be serious about it. What do you got? Come on. What are you going to pick? 88. 88. 88. 88. Really? You think it's going to be that bad? Oh, 88's the most generous thing I can come up with. These, these lumbixes. What did they get last year? They got over a hundred last year, didn't they? Something like that. They, they, I think they got ninety nine, hundred, hundred one. Yeah, yeah. But I, I'd say I'm going to put it, peg it at a hundred. You seriously? After seeing the first four in spring training, I wasn't are you over, drunk. I wasn't overwhelmed. I mean, I wasn't uh, blown away by the. By they have the first no pitching. They have no pitching. All right, let's get on to something legitimate. All right, six point six two. Six point six two. No clue. Natural gas futures closed at oh, six dollars yeah, and, and sixty two cents. Yeah. Per million BTU, the highest level since November 2008. Yeah, we're going to have letters. We're, I guarantee we're going to have letters from Markey and Warren, Senators Markey and Warren, either together or separately, um, pushing back against LNG exports. 
Yeah, this was, within within a month. This is pre fracking prices right now. Yeah, they are. Right. Yeah, it, it's it's a lot. Seven bucks is a lot. And and you know the funny thing is those are spots. Everybody everybody's kind of locked in at a slightly higher level on their on their um forwards. So it, it's going to go higher. We're going to wind up at seven and a half yeah. bucks before it's all over. Yeah. And of course, we we never we hardly ever forget this. Uh, most people do in this town, but the folks who get hit the hardest are. Well, families and consumers and the poor and the elderly and those on fixed incomes. Those on fixed incomes. Thank you very much. (laughs) All right. Here's a corollary to that. Learn it. Marcellus Utica shale uh, prices per MCF is less than four bucks. About four bucks, yeah. Yeah. Okay. New England pricing? They're paying 30 bucks because of their basic. $30. Yeah. See, now, if you had read my columns... I wrote this column almost two full months ago. I said that's what was going on in Boston, that they were paying um, at that Everett LNG terminal. They were paying 30 bucks per because that's what the um, – because that's what you're getting in the Atlantic Basin. The other thing is, you know, you have you have ships, you have cargoes now leaving Houston and, and Louisiana, right, for, um, for places in um, Southeast Asia. South Asia, they're getting redirected to Europe now because the Europeans are paying a premium. Yeah. The, the thing about because the, we we're bailing them out for their screw ups. The um, okay, one last thought about this, and it's con- it's counter it's counter to our narrative, so I, I hesitate to mention it. Even if you blew up the Jones Act, which we're all in favor of, well, not everyone, but everyone should be in favor <laughs> of it. Um, Certain congressmen from it Louisiana. would probably only trim about five or six bucks off that. Boston would still pay like twenty two, twenty four. Yeah, bucks, but still, like that's that. five or six bucks, it's, and it's a good policy. It, it's so. it if if you are if you are a defender of the Jones Act, um, you are a person incapable of doing math or learning from history. But other than that, you're you're you fit square in, right? So the other interesting thing about this chart, which our our listeners can't see, is these. <laughs> It's radio There's talk. a bunch of these little red squiggly lines here that show like uh, destination points from the Marcellus to places in the New England area. Yeah, canceled. Those pipeline. are canceled pipelines. Canceled pipes. Yeah. yeah, those are canceled pipelines. Yeah, it. it um, speaking as a guy who's been tangled up with the Everett Terminal um, and the New England energy markets for 20 years professionally. It's crazy. And you know, the funny thing is the person who thought it was the craziest was Cheryl LaFleur, commissioner over at FERC, right? And chairman twice. Um, she's from Boston. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> she she was from Boston and she thought it was the most, she still thinks it's the most insane thing ever that, you know, 200 miles from Boston, you're paying four bucks for gas. And at City Gate in Boston, you're paying whatever. It used to just to be 10 bucks. Yeah. Now it's 30 bucks. Yes. So. Yes. Okay. 55 55, sir. No clue. 55. The amount annually that voters are willing to pay each year uh, to address climate change. <laughs> I didn't see that coming. More than a third, 36%, said less than 10. And 26% said zero. Ladies and gentlemen, we're finally getting to the energy survey that we've put off for two weeks. Yeah. Um, let me just give you the core of the of the of the results. We put them. Can we put this up on the on the show notes? We can put this up on yeah, the show yeah, notes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, it's worth a read, right? The analysis is is, is three pages. Um, it's worth the read. I'll, I'll, but I'll just tell you real quick what we learned. What we learned is is that is that um, part of the reason why we did it is because we're always trying to figure out where the voters are. Right. Here's what we learned. Right. Republicans continue to be in on really solid ground on consumer choice. 
Uh, and that is, you know, if you have a choice between the government making a decision or you making a decision, who would you rather have make that decision? Not surprisingly, Americans are like me. Um, Republicans are on solid ground on carbon taxes, uh, carbon dioxide taxes, right? Unlike unlike our friends in the trade associations, right? They're all the ones on shaky ground, right? You ask people, hey, you in favor of carbon dioxide taxes? Nope. Those are three to ones, right? I'm willing to pay what Tom just read, right? Um, and the 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 numbers that Tom just read, right? The fifty-five bucks um, median number, um, and the twenty-six percent that say zero. Those are the highest numbers we've gotten. And the, truthfully, the survey skewed a little heavy liberal. Mm -hmm. So our numbers are bigger. Usually, those numbers look more like forty bucks median, and we always have about forty percent that say zero. Um, yeah, we're up. We're down to twenty-six percent. That's right. Zero. Um, but it, it should, even my folks. $55 a year. 55 bucks a year. Man, basically, you're willing to pay a tank of gas. Um, issue prioritization, right? Nobody thinks this stuff is is a, is a top 10 priority, right? Um, and even the fundamentals of the science, right? By a margin of 24 points, respondents identified carbon dioxide more as needed for plant life, in quotes, right? Rather than a pollutant, quote, right? The other thing about it is, is that... Um, the other thing is, is that the responses are durable, right? These are these are um, similar to responses we've gotten year over year over year, which tells you that that they are not sentiments, they are not preferences. They are starting to harden into attitudes yeah. and beliefs, and Th that's something I don't think people have completely embedded in their thought process. Yeah, this particular survey was released by our friends at the Committee to Unleash Prosperity, but the American Energy Alliance has done a remarkably similar type of survey over the past, say, eight, ten years. Yeah. And what Mike is saying, essentially, is, is that in spite of everything that the media, that the left, that the Greens, that the Gretas, that the, the special Ks of the world throw at this issue in terms of messaging, Global warming, global, uh, you know, climate change, climate crisis, so on and so forth, et cetera, et cetera. They're not moving the needle, folks. They're not moving the needle. Right. You don't care about this issue when asked what you care about on um, without having pre yeah, an open ended question. Open ended question, and you don't. You personally are not willing to pay uh, for it, which I don't blame you. And quite frankly. The, the government always pulls the lowest when it comes to who do you trust to, to deal with all this stuff, right? So that's the that's the yeah. crux of the of the survey. Yeah, two more two more responses we're talking about real quick before before we go right. Um, before we move on to the next topic, one is, you know, last year we asked about how concerned are the respondents about um, China's domination of the EV supply chain, right? Um, Last year, 43% identified themselves as very concerned. This year, 56% were, were very concerned. That's probably bad news for the for Team Biden and and their cognates, right? The other, the other question that I think is going to become more important as we go along, we asked about banning gasoline-powered vehicles. I'm not sure we use the phrase internal combustion engine because I'm not sure most people understand what that is. Um, anyway... Last year, that was opposed by a margin of 66 points. It was 75 to, to 9, 75% to 9%. This year was opposed by a margin of 63 points, 76 to 13. I'm not sure what's going to happen here in the next 10 years, 
but that that opposed number is going to have to come down for the government to try to get away with it. Four hundred and fifty-seven in Q one of twenty twenty-two, yeah, and you, and the the future is electric, it's just, baby. It's just there's just way too much. There's way too much froth in in the anti-opposed numbers to every part of the agenda. I, I I cannot imagine a world in which this this thing happens flawlessly. The um, I, I'm really looking forward to it. We are engaged in a real world experiment, and guess who the monkeys are? Yeah, um, well, it's the, you guys. The uh, yeah, and you can see by the amount of spending on advertising, if that were the measure, you'd think that you know these EVs would be dominating. They're not, folks. It's still around two point something percent penetration in the in the overall market. Yeah. And I wasn't going to bring this up, but I will. Go ahead, because lest you not understand, and people are starting to understand this too. Uh, this is from the Financial Times quote: "Electric vehicle targets impossible without changes to the lithium pipeline." Who wrote that? Uh, this was James Farenhoe. Farnyhoe, Farnyhoe is a Melbourne, okay. uh, Melbourne-based. Battery manufacturers are confronting a severe lithium shortage, highlighting the need to challenge China's dominance of raw material supply chains. An Australian lithium producer has warned. Right, uh, so there simply isn't going to be enough lithium on the face of the planet, regardless of who expands and who delivers. It just won't be there. The car makers are starting to sense that maybe the battery makers aren't going to be able to deliver. Now, I'm not a Malthusian. I think that there's a lot of stuff out there. And maybe there's stuff that we haven't discovered. Yeah. And so I'm not willing to, to stake, stake it on this, that, that this is what's going to cause the problems. But the price of EVs isn't going to go down, folks. It It's going to go up. And it's already significantly higher than the yeah. average um, gas-powered vehicle. Here's the core of the experiment that's being conducted on the American people, and not just the American people, the European people for that matter as well. The um, government is trying to force a transition to a less efficient, more expensive uh, kind of energy. Every transition in energy has been the other way, right? It's more dense, more efficient, cheaper. Are you saying cheaper. that gasoline was, was better than whale blubber? <laughs> yeah. Like whale oil? It, 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 this is, this, is, this seems better. to be an instance where the government is trying to transition everyone to less efficient, less reliable, less good, however you think about good sources of energy, against, you believe my survey, and I believe my survey results, against their will. It, it I don't... I don't really care about what kind of cars people drive. I hate to say that, but I'm largely indifferent to it. But if the federal government does this to you, they're going to come back for houses. They're going to come back for food. They're going to come back sure. for everything eventually. Sure, it, it, why it, not? Exactly. It, so I, I don't want to sound like a Trump guy here, but if you can't understand the implications of your own personal freedom and choice here, you you probably deserve to have a government that takes everything from you. <laughs> All right, next number, 8.5, 8. 8.5. 8.5, the, I don't the big know. News today, oh, big inflation, news today. Inflation, inflation, yeah. The now year. let's go to the year-over-year year numbers. Uh, 8.5% usurped 79 8.5% remains a 41-year high. You have to go back to 1981. And finally, 
We're looking at year-over-year -year core, expected up 6.6, .6, comes in at 6.5, taking out the 6.4%. So up at 6.5, we are now looking once again to comp back to 82. That remains the same. Okay, CPI is up 8.5, right? That's, yeah. that's the, but there's a couple of them that are explo exploding underneath that, right? Energy and gas are the highest. Well, gas is 48 over up 48 percent year over Tom, year right on. they're highly volatile that's why we is up 11 percent year over year food up uh meats fish poultry 13 percent airline fares 23 percent right now a couple of data points that um people will eke out of this stuff coming up here mm -hmm. is that used cars actually started dropping in it march sells a used car yeah and housing prices in certain, a lot of areas, with the exception of some of the really hot areas, has started dropping here in March, which tells you that people aren't buying big things. Yeah. Because the all of these record high inflation is eating away at, at discretionary spending, right? Which means what? Recession is really, 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 uh, you know, on the horizon here. That's that's my. Take I, on I don't that. see. I don't see. Once the housing bubble pops, and I obviously have mixed feelings about the housing bubble popping. Because yeah, me too. Because I want to sell my house. Right. You know, everybody you, depends on whether you're a seller <laughs> or a buyer. If you're a buyer, you're waiting. I, okay. What strikes me about this is the administration. The administration um, front ran this thing, right? They. They, yeah, which is crap. Which is, I way. thought it was great. It, it, it the Putin price hike. It confirms, it, it's okay. It confirms your general theory of the case, which is that these guys think they're running a debating society. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't know, I hesitate to say this because I sound like a horse's ass. I don't know how you can go to work in the, in the, in the West Wing every, every day and not understand a simple fact of the world. And it's this. You're going to get blamed for everything bad that happens, and you're going to get credited for everything good that happens. And it doesn't matter whether you are legitimately responsible for either of those things. These guys, to your point, think they're a debating society. Hey, if we just talk long enough, everyone will be okay with inflation running at 9%. Again, it's, they're winning Twitter, and they're, they're trying insane. to win TikTok and Twitter. It's insane. Yeah. It's legit insane. And and this is not going away, and this is not no, going away, and, no. uh, and anytime soon, and no. it is eating away at people's, uh, you know, ability it's, it's, to it, enjoy themselves. Quite honestly, it, it, and we, you know, producer here has never experienced this, as far as I can tell, in his working career. And this is going to be ugly. In, mortgage rates are up; thirty-year mortgages are up past five percent now. Yeah, I was a young man in nineteen eighty-one and eighty-two. I remember how bad it was to get us to wring the inflation out of the system from the late seventies. It, the recession of nineteen eighty two was bloody and terrible. Cost the Republicans forty seats in the in the House that that year. Um, you know, Ronald Reagan bottom of his presidency. Um, it it was a dark but very very necessary time. We're heading for the same kind of Absolutely. reckoning, and and, I, and the difference is we're heading for that reckoning, um, with a suboptimal captain at the helm. Oh yeah. Okay. Um, another another 
number here, 27. 27. Mike Stanton's jersey number. <laughs> That's easy. No. Um, oh, shoot. This is not, unfortunately. This is from EIA, the U.S. Energy Information Administration. In 2020, 34 million U.S. households, 27% of all U.S. households, reported difficulty paying energy bills or reported that they had kept their home at an unsafe temperature because of energy cost concerns. I think I've said this before. If not, I, I meant to. I'll say it. I'll say it now. One of the things that makes this town a really terrible, terrible place to be um, and why no one should stay in it for too long, says the guy who's been working in it for 40 years. Um, we can't get out. Yeah, seriously. We can't get out. Is that, is that the news, and the news on inflation was the same way. Oh, the Biden administration is going to take a hit because of this inflation news. Or, oh, this is going to hurt the Democrats' ability to keep the House. Or, oh, this is going to help the Republicans' ability to keep the House. Yeah, sure, all of that. All of that's true. But you know the real import of it is? There are people who are out there up against it every day. Yeah, this is and, the and, average. And you want it, me to, I'm going to break it, it down it, a little bit more because the Democrats, all you hear from them is, you know, how they want to help these different various constituencies, right? Well, African-American number is 52%. The Hispanic or Latino number is 47%. And the rent versus own number is 41% to 20%. Okay? Yeah. And the less than 10,000 is 57%. And from 10,000 to 30, now I'll go up as high as 39,000. The numbers are 47 and 40. So who is this stuff hurting the most? Yeah. The very folks that they claim that they're they're out there hustling for. So, okay. Sorry to <laughs> sorry to bring everybody down. No, no, no. It, these it, numbers it, need to be talked about because this is real. And finally, I have one more number for you, sir. Three. Babe Bruce jersey number. Uh, no, that is true, but that is not what why the I hell. This, this is this up. is super easy. This is from NBC News. Once. Retail giant Kmart nears extinction after New Jersey closure. The number of Kmarts in the U.S., once well over 2,000, will be down to three in the continental U.S. once the Avenel, New Jersey Kmart closes on for good on April 16th. Yeah, so our producer is looking at us like we're <laughs> like we're dinosaurs, right? Like, like, what? Why are you worried about the? Why are you worried about the extinction of the dinosaurs? It's difficult. Uh, it's difficult to understand what Kmart is and was, right? It just is. This is why I brought it up because it, it, it's a generation it, thing. It is, in fact, a generational thing, right? And it's not just Kmart. It's it's. J.C. Penney's, it's Sears, Sears it's Montgomery right, Wards, right. it's all these things that you grew up with that are that are um, that are gone, right? The, and the funny thing is, is we're just I was just talking about this with somebody with somebody earlier today. We were talking about iconic American brands, and we focused specifically on General Electric and Exxon Mobil. And this person made the case that part of the problem with General Electric, and now part of the problem with Exxon is. At some point in the process, they stopped um, defending themselves. They stopped defending themselves and what they do, and and that kind of that cancer spread throughout the company. Yeah, that, that the, the the people involved in the company management didn't believe in what the company was doing, and that ultimately is incredibly corrosive. And, and I and I thought that's some pretty good insight, right? And it's true. It's true. 
I mean, at some point, somebody gave up on the Kmart idea. Yeah, well, I mean, but but again, going back to your point, Kmart was like the place that we went growing up. It was like, yeah, you got Walmart now, but like that was the place that was the target, right? That was the place that we yeah. went. And they're the first ones who did the layaway deal, right? Where you put something aside, you pay for it here and there a little bit until you got the, the full amount, then you brought it home, right? So it's, it's, um, we are looked at, you know, when we romanticize this kind of thing, <laughs> looked at by our children the same way, like when we start talking about, did you know that the TV networks used to stop, um, signal? Like at midnight or one o'clock in the morning or whatever, yeah. you couldn't you couldn't get a signal. And they in ran, the morning. They had played the national anthem. Played the with national the flag anthem going and, right, and you were by yourself until six a.m. when they started back up. Kids are like, it's dial tones, right? Yeah. What was the last time? Yeah. Well, I was in the car the other day with my kid. And I said, "Do you use the? Do you use your iPhone to actually call people?" She's like, "No. The only people who call me are you and mom." Uh, okay. I mean, literally, like, her friends don't call each other. They text each other all day long, period. That's it. That's what they do with this thing. It it, it might as well not even be a phone, is my point. Okay. The, the young people are terrible. I just want to say that real quick. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's where us old timers are going. You all young right. people are terrible. So that is by the numbers. Thank you very much for indulging me. We're, uh, uh, we got a lot to cover here, and we're, we're running a little bit long. We're going so. to cover it all in five minutes. Yet another bold move to lower gas prices. The Biden administration announced today that they will be allowing more ethanol and gasoline. Yeah, the 15 year round, letters. 15%. So right now it's uh, capped at 10%. And this is, and it, as a wise person pointed to me, not even legal to do. Not only is the fuel less efficient, but it's, Probably, arguably, a little bit more expensive as well. So, there you go, folks. Biden's looking out for you, trying to lower them gas prices, giving yeah. you nine days worth of strategic petroleum reserve, and giving you more ethanol in your gasoline. Yeah, let me give you a sense of this, right? The um, Clean, Air, Clean Air Act specifically um, allows for this in the, event, in, the, in the eventuality of a supply shortage. Like, you drive up to a pump and you can't get gas. Not like, hey, it's expensive and I don't want to pay. So... It's illegal for that reason. I mean, it's, it's outside the bounds of the law. And the other like thing the is, strategic petroleum reserve was yeah, not designed to. Well, they, you know. See, you and I have a disagreement on that. I think that's exactly what it was designed to do. You know, I, I think, I think the, I think the politicians who set that thing up specifically yeah. set it well, up with that in mind. For this, right. um, it, it's also supposed to be temporary, and it's supposed to be um, to a, uh, a limited to a region. Okay. Region can't possibly be the United States. 20 days is when it's supposed to be. 20 days is the maximum under statute. Great news about this is we're going to be back here in two, three weeks when the president expands it for another 20 days. And, and then then we'll talk about more about its illegality. All right. I got one more for you. Uh, you're going to be shocked about this, by the way, from AP. Rachel Maddow returns to MSNBC. We'll switch to one day a week. Mondays. <laughs> of all the days of the Rachel, week to switch to, Mondays. Rachel Maddow will return to the air Monday with some bad news for her fans. Starting next month, she will be doing her primetime show only once a week. Um, uh, Mike, I didn't even know she was gone. <laughs> Apparently, she took a month hiatus. Neither did I. And I was not aware of it. <laughs> Neither did I. There had, I, got, I had to laugh There have been, one. just so you know, there's some thought that the press secretary is going to go take over that spot. Yeah, well, who cares? Uh, 
She'll, she'll be just as bad. I so. find it remarkable that after all of that, Rachel Maddow has been the apostle of the Russian collusion thing. Right, right, right. After all that, I have no idea who could even put her on TV with a straight <laughs> face. Okay, I've got one more, too, in the irony section. This is from the Washington Post. This was a uh, uh, piece that was written by a former CEO of Reddit and co-founder of some nonprofit. Elon Musk's vision of free speech will be bad for Twitter. And let me read the money quote for you. Yeah. <laughs> yada, 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 so on and so forth. He's a bully. Musk's appointment to Twitter's board shows that we need regulation of social media platforms to prevent rich people from controlling our channels of communication. <laughs> <laughs> the Washington Post. He CC'd that to Jeff Bezos, no doubt. <laughs> to which uh, Elon Musk tweeted, re retweeted, or, you know, quote tweeted the article. L-M-A-O. Yeah. How could you not? <laughs> All right, so that's the news for today. But I believe you've got a couple of things, and then we've got some breaking news here, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, we're closing breaking, breaking news? New we're going to close with some Biden clips. Okay. But, but we're going to do the breaking news at the end. Let me give you two things real quick that I'm watching that I encourage everybody to watch. One is the generic ballot in the House, right? The Republicans are running around saying, ah, we're going to take the House. It's going to be a red wave, all this hoorah. I want you to look at the ballot, generic ballot results over the last 15 days. The net net is that the Republican average is less than 1%. Republican average advantage, right, is less than 1%. In fact, four of them have Democrats with net advantage, right? They're all inside the margin of error. I, I, again, I said this last week. I'm going to say it every week. Temper your enthusiasm until that generic ballot moves consistently in one direction. It's a, it's a, it's a significant problem, and it, 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 it's not a problem. It's a significant sticking point, and if we get into May or June and it's still the same place, we're probably going to need to recalibrate our expectations. That's one. Two is everybody's all excited because the the NRCC raised whatever it was, thirty five million bucks, thirty eight million bucks last yeah, quarter. Yeah, I saw this. It's yeah, a I huge know where number. You're going with this? It's great. It's enormous. Ba 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 ba. D triple C outraised them. Yep. By by not by not a little by bit. By a lot. Yep. The other thing that everybody needs to have in their head is in the last 365 days, Democratic Party and its organs, especially the NRC uh, the D triple C, raised about 180 million bucks. Right? About twice what the Republicans have raised. Now I money in politics is pointless. I mean, Liz Cheney just raised four million bucks to run in a race in Wyoming. Now she's up to ten million bucks, Whatever. by the way, for her Wyoming. It's race. ridiculous. Yeah, you, you, ten million bucks in a seat that's going to be decided by 60, maybe a hundred thousand voters. 60, I was going to say sixty thousand votes. Right? I mean, it's crazy. At a certain point, yeah. your per vote, your, your your dollar per vote is insane. Well, it's just but, no. It's not that. It's it's the it's a Washington swamp thing. It's it is. Like, it I, is I got fact, more than you. It got, is in fact right? a Washington right? swamp. The point is. Nancy Pelosi's raising half a million bucks a day yeah. and has now for a year. That's her clip. That's a good clip to be at. Those are the only two things I want Which to put not, in It's nowhere near the amount her uh, stock portfolio has <laughs> has gone up, though. So she's doing a pretty good job. 500,000 bucks a day. She's killing it. All right. Well, let me set up this breaking news uh, with a little intro music, shall we? This is the end. 
All right, my friend, what do you got? This is breaking news here on the Unregulated Podcast, ladies and gentlemen. I'm under the impression that Gina McCarthy, and I've gotten this from two different sources, I'm under the impression that Gina McCarthy, the White House Senior Advisor on all things- A.K.A. Climate Tsarina. Climate Tsarina, energy and environment person, really. Um, She covers the entire waterfront, is- has submitted a resignation to the White House, and it will be leaving probably in the next three weeks. Probably. This is the end. Why do you think that is, Mike? <laughs> She's done all the things she can do, right? There's, they're not, there's nothing left to be done legislatively, and anything that they're going to do administratively is going to be struck down by the courts. And she probably sees and knows all of that because I have a lot of different thoughts about, about um, administrator McCarthy. Um, none of them are that she's not bright. She's a, she's a smart, tough opponent. And um, I'm assuming she's going to go back to Boston, keep flying. Yeah, flying over every weekend, back flying and forth, lowering yeah. her carbon footprint. Biggest carbon footprint in America next to John Kerry, by the way. I'm willing to bet that Secretary Kerry's the next guy out the door. Oh, that would be that would be a mixed blessing. <laughs> True. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I got uh, the closing out the um, podcast with a couple more from President Biden. Here's the first one. We're the only outfit in the country that is immune. Imagine had the tobacco industry been immune to prostitute being sued. <laughs> well, you gotta hear the end. Hold on, he's got his famous. <laughs> and I got one more from President Biden to close us out. Let me close what I've long said: America is a nation that can be defined in a single word. I was in the foot, foot, excuse me, the foothills of the Himalayas with Xi Jinping. Traveling with him, unless we travel 17,000 miles on his vice president. I don't know that for a fact. And uh, we're sitting alone. I had an interpreter and he had an interpreter. And he looked at me in all seriousness and said, Can you define America for me? And I said, What many of you heard me say for a long time? I said, Yes, I can. In one word, possibilities. Possible. <laughs> <laughs> Possibilities and prostitutes, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> That's a wrap. <laughs> Namaste. Namaste.